and welcome to Roots in Graffiti, a short chat diving into the happenings of Jasper County, Indiana. Episode topics range from project announcements to conversations about rural issues. Hosted by the Jasper Newton Foundation and Jasper County Economic Development Organization, together we'll explore and break down what's happening right here in Jasper County. I'm Brian Hooker with the Jasper Newton Foundation. And I'm Stephen Eastridge with the Jasper County Economic Development Organization. Welcome to Roots and Graffiti. Today on Roots and Graffiti, we have with us Renee Overbeck, who grew up on her family's grain and cattle farm in rural Leesburg, Indiana. After graduating from Purdue University with a degree in agricultural finance, Renee worked as a credit analyst for a bank. She changed career paths to work for Remington Seeds, where she crossed paths with her now husband, Quentin Overbeck. Together, Renee and Quentin manage Remington Farms and are raising three kids ages eight, six, and four. Renee is a member of the Jasper County 4-H Council and a state committee member for the Purdue Council for Agricultural Research, Extension, and Teaching. She is also a founding board member of the Growing Patch Learning Center, an early childhood education center in Remington that opened in March of 2018 and serves children from six weeks through age five. Renee loves to read, especially historical biographies, and loves to spend time outside with her family. Although training often takes a backseat to family and work responsibilities these days, Renee has been known to run long distances for fun. So far, her favorite race experience was the Eagle Creek Summer Night Trail Race in Indianapolis. Renee has grown to love the many different experiences that can be found in Jasper County and has a passion to see the community thrive. Also joining us today is Carly Trestle Alson, who grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, in the shadow of shuttered steel mills and her family of football coaches. After living in several Midwestern cities and working in advertising and marketing, Carly married her college sweetheart, Adam Alson, who moved to Rensselaer, where Adam recently returned to farm. Carly is the mother of a five-year-old and a two-year-old and now works as an independent writer and editor. Her first nonfiction book, The Corporate History of a Steel Manufacturer in Western Pennsylvania, is slated for release in January 2021. Earlier this year, Carly and Adam formed Appleseed Childhood Education, a nonprofit organization that aims to support new and existing learning programs for young people, with a particular focus on addressing the shortage of quality childcare options in Jasper County. You can often find Carly at one of our local coffee shops and on, a, and on farmer's market days. She's the one on the courthouse lawn kicking or throwing a ball around with her kids. Carly's a firm believer in loving where you live and is proud to call this community home. What you guys are really proposing and talking about are two organizations for childcare that are not really, they're more pushed on the private side. Uh, Renee, you and Quentin, really sort of being the driving force for Growing Patches, and, and Adam and Carly, you guys being the driving force for ACE, when JCYC was really county push, it was it was done you know, by the government. No, no, I say I wasn't here for that either. It was originally mm -hmm. funded by the county um, and operated by a group called Gibalt. Okay. In 2013, Gibalt decided they were going to pull out. Mm -hmm. It was a financially... Um, unstable business i mean that's that's what licensed child care is it's it's yeah. financially challenging the county didn't want to keep funding that business Gibalt couldn't do it without the county funding a group of parents at families of jcyc came together and in a 30-day window from when Gibalt said they were closing they formed 
families of JCYC. It was previously Jasper County Youth Center and kept it going for five years. First as a parent with a child at the center and then for a few months a board member, it was truly amazing once I got to know kind of the inner workings of the organization, just how much this small group of parents could accomplish. It was, it was truly miraculous, and I'm not using that word lightly, because of all of the moving parts of running a center, having 20 plus employees employed every day for quite a, you know, for four of the five years coordinating with St. Joseph's College to have a work study program, which was, you know, a fantastic aspect of the center to have students come and serve in this, uh, students from the college come and serve at the, uh, at the youth center and then JCYC. At the time of families of JCYC's closing, that was something when we were looking at what was possible and what wasn't, the idea of trying to pull out another miracle was something I think we all wanted. Um, but when it came down to it, I, I think what we realized is we're gonna have to find another way to make this work. And so I think that's, I can speak to that as a representative of ACE, that one of the great challenges because childcare is not your typical business. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would be wonderful if we could look at it as profit and loss and tuition makes operations happen and everyone breaks even and it works great. But that's not the reality of this kind of business. And so, Yes, there's a lot, there are a lot of licensing and state regulations that go into operating a child care center, which Renee knows worlds more about than I even do, so I'm talking <laughs> a little off the cuff here, but I, I, I know at least enough to know if that's the truth. Yes, all of that has financial implications, but really what we're finding is we've got to be really creative in finding a different model, finding a different way to make the model work. And so we're not having to try to pull out a miracle every five years or fewer. And that's, I think that's the smart approach. Even the Growing Patch is trying to find some different avenues. We've partnered with Bright Steps to help with operations. They have 30 years of experience in licensed childcare and are a lot more familiar with the avenues out there for sources of funding that as the board of the Growing Patch none of our specialties are childcare, so it was taking us longer to find those avenues. And at the same time, families of JCYC was closing, there was another childcare center, Seeds of Promise, that faced the same thing. It's, I think, kind of a burnout of your support group. It's a lot of work and it's intense. And I think finding a different avenue to try to avoid that burnout is the right answer. It's a great irony, actually, that the, the group, historically, the group of people who have chosen to take on the challenge of keeping a center running or resurrecting a center or, or um, seeing an opportunity and taking it to, to you know, bump up the supply of childcare in our communities have been the parents of young children. So, you know, I'm not here to toot our horns about we're trying to do this work while we also have young kids, but I think we feel the, the shortage most acutely and we're able to imagine very vividly what other families are up against. Yeah. And I would also like to acknowledge, you know, um, at the closing of Families of JCYC, that put my husband and I, you know, in a pinch, but we have family nearby to lean on. 
both of our jobs have some level of flexibility such that we can figure out a way to make the child care, the gap in child care work. But we also acknowledge that is not the case for a lot of families around us. And that's, I think, what drives us to help to, to keep trying to find solutions to this. So part, is it fair to say that part of the new model or part of the way this works going forward is that this is a community issue and I may have a 13-year-old and not be in the same situation, but because I want to see my community of Jasper County grow and do well, I care about the next workforce flood. I care about having my child in school with kids and families who are being taken care of. And so we're, you're, we're asking for the community to invest then in this high-quality offering for seeing our, our community of kids as all of our responsibility collectively on some level. Is that, is that fair? You're nodding your heads. Can you hear it through the microphone? That, <laughs> that has been one of my husband and I's conversations in our work with the Growing Patch. These are the kids our kids are going to go to school with. We want them to have just as many opportunities as our kids might have. And, and it's hard for parents to make that work. And as somebody who moved to this community, I'm not familiar with the people who um, watch kids in their home. I didn't know where to look for childcare. So in my head, looking for a licensed childcare center was a way to know what I was going to get. Um, or if you didn't know in-home operators, it was hard to get a spot. They're, they're all full. It's, it's a precious commodity to find someone to watch your kids. There had to be other people out there looking for care just like I was. And Brie, I'm really glad you brought up the word investment and investing in your community because I think, at least so far, a lot, uh, a lot of us haven't really thought of child care or early education as something that is an investment that maybe at the very least it's it's a charitable cause right it's something that people can give their money or their time to or their gently used board books and, and toys which all of which are necessary and appreciated however there's also this other piece that i think we haven't talked about it as a community as a community enough and that's that when you invest in early education and quality child care you actually get a return on it in all the ways you said free in the ways you're saying renee that you get kids and families who are taken care of and can have thriving, healthy lives and hopefully will encounter few of the problems. And I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, let's talk about what some of those problems are briefly. Addiction, abuse, neglect, you know, unemployment if you're looking for a job and can't take one because you have no one to take care of your children, right? These are real things. So when we invest in making sure there are, there are spots and places, safe, nurturing, you know, quality places for kids to go, then that will alleviate some of those other social problems. And you mentioned bringing up kind of the next workforce. So if we have kids who are healthy and learning and growing, and these are ostensibly the people who are going to be in our community for a long time, and we want them to be, right? We want them to live, grow, thrive here, put down roots then we want to make sure they have the resources from the beginning to be able to grow and, and, have, or, and get what they need here. Carly, in some of our conversations, I mean, you and I have been talking about this issue since JCYC closed, and we talk about from zero to five is when the most brain development happens in a child. That's why this is such a critical age. Yes. 
to make sure there's quality care. And as a parent, you do all the things that you can at home, but you still go to work. That's a big chunk of the day. Finding quality care, whether it's in a center or in home, it's important. Your kid can have, you know, structured play that lends toward learning and story time and all of those things that just set them up for success later on to be ready for kindergarten when they go. Yeah, and I, and I love what you're saying about, you know, like intellectual development and also social readiness, you know, because that's what, that's what you learn, that's what a child learns in a great childcare setting is social emotional skills, um, executive function, Besides all, you know, I, I think I would, I would hate for a listener to hear us talking about putting kids in school at six weeks old and, you know, imagining these babies at desks because that is not yeah. what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're talking about play. We're talking about creative curriculums. In fact, there, I think there's a branded creative there curriculum. There is a creative. Right? That's actually what, um, That's what the Growing Past uses is creative curriculum. And it's, it's all learning through play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, kids, are, kids are being kids, but they're also having the chance to have those very active brains just go off, just pop. You said something a few times, and then when you were talking about development from, you know, zero to five, um, and that, I think the first comment where I started thinking about this was, Carly, when you talked about how childcare is a different business model, and that it's not the same, it's not just profit and loss, right? Do you think part of it is, and this could be way too deep for where we are in this conversation, but part of this is that there needs to be education reform, and that we need to stop thinking about early child education from zero to five as childcare and more about it as actual educating in like the same way we're thinking about elementary school and middle school and, and, and that this is just that we need to take that approach and that we were talking about investments and I think in a lot of ways talking about investments in our community um, and this is maybe way out in left field but do we need to start talking about investments from you know from government not just local government from like state government in terms of education funding and, and thinking about it as not child care, but actually education, and, and it being under that, that sort of umbrella and thinking, we need, you know, we're, we're educating our, our people from the time they, they can be educated, right, from, from birth until when, and that that's actually part of our education program. That, you know, does reform need to happen at that, at that level, too? Yeah, I think, I think it is happening. You know, I think there's, there are many advocates at the national level saying exactly what you're saying, Stephen, which is this needs, early childhood education needs to be a part of the larger conversation about educate, education period. Mm-hmm. But this is not a, this is not an afterthought. It's not a nice to have. It's yeah. actually, it's crucial. Yeah. You know, it's very crucial. And I would, I would argue that it is especially crucial in rural communities where distance-wise, we're farther away from lots of options, right? That it might take quite a drive to get somewhere where you can get a play-based, childcare with a play-based curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. So here's where I think having more options with the larger picture in mind um, is good, is great. It's a tremendous opportunity. That's been one, as far as the Jasper Foundation is concerned, one of the things that we've been making sure that is part of the message um, when we talk about early childhood education is diversity of options. And in a rural 
community, just like you have to have agricultural diversity for health and sustainability, you have to have that in your community as well. So um, we want those church ministries to offer um, early childhood education. Um, we want those in-home providers to offer that home-based care because that is ideal for some families, and we want to get them resources so we can raise the level of that care. And then we also want the institutional options in a separate building that's not a home. I mean, I use the word institution, it makes it sound cold, but it's it's not. It's just another commercial space. Um, we want those options as well because you have we have families who don't have the family support network here they can lean on. We also have, you know, my our family is the two-parent working household, and many families are, and that is not a bad thing or a wrong thing or a broken thing. It's a it's a thing. It's a good thing. We have whole parents doing, being whole people doing jobs that they love. And um, we also don't want those kids to miss out on those on the, or the that interaction and engagement from zero to five. Oftentimes, I'm glad you brought that up, Bree, because I've had many conversations with people who've said, "Well, you know, I I I went to my parents both worked growing up, and I went to a babysitter, and I turned out fine." And I would say, "Well, yeah, absolutely. And your babysitter took great care of you, and your family had a great situation, and that's." And that's what we're shooting for here, is that every family has a great situation that they can access and that they can afford to. And affordability is a whole other part of this conversation. And that's where we start getting into um, how the state can contribute to childcare centers to help make childcare more affordable. Because I know many of you are listening to this right now and you're saying, boy, it'd be nice to have consistent childcare, but I can't afford it or it's really expensive. And hey, we're here to tell you, yeah, yep, yep, we understand that. And so part of this business model too, getting back to the business model, is you know, finding a way to make sure that families, real families, can actually afford the thing that we're creating or the thing that we want to be able to offer as an option. My head is jumping around a little bit, but I want to make sure, I want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to all of the in-home providers who are working their tails off taking care of kids, because without you right now, especially, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb and speak on behalf of the Rensselaer community and say, when we don't have a center here, you in-home providers are doing the job, and all of you grandparents are doing the job, and all of you parents who are choosing to stay at home are making that choice for your family. So I also, in the context of this conversation, wanna say, we see you, and we see the good work you're doing, because I'm speaking now for my family, you know, I would not be able to do any of the work that I love to do without the various providers we've had. Well, and I think, so I think that's a good point because I think it, and Bree kind of said this already, and I'm going to say it again because I feel like I'm just repeating all of your points at this point, <laughs> is that I, whatever it is, it's, it, it just seems like that there is not a one perfect solution, right? And it's not one size fits all. Yeah, and we need a number of diverse options to fit a number of diverse situations and families, right? Um, and, and then I want to back up a little because I, I, I don't know if this is, if we're in the right community to talk about this, but it seems like there are families who grew up, they had a good, you know, situation and that shows in their development and, you know, where they've ended up, but there are also families who haven't. And does that become sort of a generational, generational cycle where, you know, they didn't have a good enough situation? You know, it impacted them from you know a development and opportunity standpoint where they've ended up. You know, their their earnings, their all those things, where they are on the 
the poverty level, those types of things. And then that family now, you know, who was raised, where they are right now, they're their children. What does it do for that next generation of their children when they probably don't have the resources to access childcare? Does it just sort of become this cycle downward? And, and I, you know, I don't know, I'm not going to say it contributes entirely to the gap that we talk way too much about as a community and as a country, but that sure seems like a part of the gap and why, you know, why things are going and directions they're going is that people don't have access to childcare. They can't break that cycle. If they're not educated um, from an early age, it, it, it makes it more difficult to break that cycle and become more productive and, and contribute and, and for create new opportunities for their children in the next generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, yes, having that early education is huge in the way you're talking about, Stephen, and also just the support, because yeah. I think that's, that's a major piece in all of this. <clears throat> and, and by support, I mean a place and a community of people at, it, whether it's an in-home provider or a center where that child and that family can rely on that community and that community will be there for them. Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to also fill in some of the gaps where the gaps that poverty creates, mm -hmm. frankly, mm -hmm. where things slip through the cracks, where ends don't meet, mm -hmm. right? This is where centers um, can be that yeah. You know, or can be that um, that soft place to land. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting at the growing patch. One of our goals and ideas is to be a resource for parents. Also, mm -hmm. here's a simple thing you can do tonight with your kid. Or uh, there's a board as you walk out, and each classroom has ask your child about this. Um, to try to help some of the parents engage in a dialogue with their kids also. I mean, it, it's a simple thing, but as a parent at the end of a workday, you're tired and yeah, it's yeah. easy to go home and not think about those things, but let's also reach the parents a little bit with some education. There've been some opportunities. Um, the Child Care Resource Network has offered some trainings for parents also that they could listen to a webinar on um, a couple of different topics, some related to talking your child through the pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah. So some resources for parents also. I mean, these are unprecedented times for everyone. So trying to even, I think, reach back to break some of that yeah. cycle that you're talking about. Yeah, I remember conversations from families of JCYC about um, connecting families with resources for their kids like with behavioral, kind of when, when red flags would be raised around um, behavior patterns or um, other development, develop, excuse me, developmental issues, that if, because the child was in a center that had professionals and experienced child care, you know, people, with, people who have recognized these cases for years, they're able to say, oh, I think we can get this child some resources and some assistance or some extra therapies so this doesn't become an issue as this child gets older and enters school. Because then what that also does, back to an earlier point we're talking about, is it eases the burden on school corporations. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had fantastic, Adam and I have had fantastic conversations with many of the educators, superintendents, assistant superintendents, building principals about kindergarten readiness, about more support for kids early in their lives is not, is not going to be a bad thing. 
right? This yeah. is only going to help kids, and it's also going to help the school corporations serve kids better yeah. when they get to the, the traditional K-12 structure. Yeah, it's just serving, serving kids better when they get to school, but also, you know, we talked about the importance of that education between the ages of zero and five, and particularly between zero and three. Those, so we've been talking through a lot of this with um, business owners in Newton County from the foundation perspective. So in the next few weeks here, we will have a 28-seat child care center open in Goodland, Indiana. It will be the only uh, licensed child care facility in the whole county, which we're very excited about. It's been a two-year process. Renee, I can echo your, <laughs> it seems to have a 24-month thing about it before it gets going, and a lot of great partnerships there. But uh, many, many of the employers are very much on board with this, number one, for scheduling, the scheduling benefits of reliable service, but also they're seeing employees lacking um, time management, uh, soft skills, and a number of other social-emotional things that that only develop in your brain between zero and three, only. So if you miss that opportunity to get some of those self-regulating, you know, I can get myself up on time, I can, um, I can be really angry, but, but not throw things across the room, you know, how to, how to those self-management executive functions develop in the brain very early on. It's more difficult, it's a more difficult path going forward if you, if you miss those little connections that happen then, literally. So this is why this is so important to bridge a number of gaps. Because it's, I mean, there's so many studies out there. Well, and when you talk about a kid's ability to learn when they reach the K through 12 system, there's a lot of conversation about their needs, their nutritional needs have to be met first before they can learn. Their emotional needs have to be met first. And I think starting earlier, helps with those situations so that those needs are being met earlier in some cases than they would be otherwise. So I can, I'm just trying to think of what you said, Carly, and I'm, I can't remember exactly now, but it, it made me think to Growing Patches and to ACE. We obviously have a, we have a, we have a gap in Jasper County, so we're kind of reeling in a little and thinking more specific at Jasper County. And rural communities, and not even just rural communities, communities everywhere have gaps in childcare. Um, when I was in Cincinnati, and we would talk to employers, we would hear about issues with employees, and it was almost always related to childcare. So this is not something unique to Jasper County or rural America, but it's an issue I think that is, in some ways, disproportionately impacting rural communities. And probably, you know, some you could probably make the argument for inner city communities as well. You know, suburban suburban communities probably aren't facing those same issues, right? And that's a whole other macro level conversation, yes, yeah. right? But looking just at Jasper County and you know what has happened from JCYC to families to where we are now, where do you think the hole is? Where are we missing the mark as a community? Is it local leadership? Is it local businesses? Is it just awareness in our community? Where do you think we can start bridging that gap with our community to start fixing this problem? Yeah. huge thing. When you think about kids from 0 to 18, the majority of that time is in the school system. Mm -hmm. 0 to 5 is a short window of time, and once families are past that, they don't feel that burden anymore. It's a, it's a short window, and you're past it. Back even in families of JCYC, I don't think most of the community even knew it was there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. People were looking for childcare and they still didn't know it was there. 
raising awareness of the options, not just a licensed center, but all of the options. Mm -hmm. It's word of mouth to find out, and if you're not asking the right people, it's hard. It's hard to find that information. Yeah, yeah. Awareness sprung to mind is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, things. Um, quickly, anecdotally, when we had our first child, and you know, again, had I had a job as a freelance writer that had a fair amount of flexibility, I could afford in my time and in the trajectory of my career and in our family's finances to take some time off after my son was born. But then when I was working my way back to getting back to work on a more regular basis, we didn't know where to begin looking for childcare. And that was one of those things, somewhat of a first time parent naivete, mm -hmm. right? Where we should have been looking before our son was born, you know, to, yeah. to reserve yeah. a spot and all that stuff. But I think that was shocking to me once we got into families of JCYC and had such a great experience and loved, loved so much about it, but it was shocking that other people had no idea it even existed. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and anonymously sit, or not name the person, but I was having a conversation with someone who I consider a leader here, and uh, about how we were trying to get something up and running. This was probably a year after families of JCYC closed, and I said, you know, I'm, Adam and I are gonna try to get this thing going. Maybe we'll form a nonprofit to reopen a center in Rensselaer. And he said, Oh, you mean that place over on Sparling closed? And of course, he was referring to the former youth center mm -hmm. slash families of JCYC, and I was I was floored because I thought here was this person I consider a leader in the community who should know, and didn't know that it closed, mm -hmm. and also didn't know that it had gone, undergone a name change and a leadership change, and a you know which and I see the burden on both sides, right? I see right. I see the burden being on both leaders to be dialed into this because this is that important, but. How, how does our community know it's that important if there's very little conversation around it? And then also the burden on us, on us, the people who are trying to push this forward as something that's important to say, we need to do a more thorough job of communicating why this is important and that families need it and kids need it that's, and the community needs it. And that's the second part of it, a lack of understanding outside of the group of parents who are looking for childcare, a lack of understanding of why it's so important. Yes. I, we had similar experiences when the Growing Patch was opening. We went around to local businesses with some brochures. This is what we're doing. You know, you know of anyone. And I mean, one was like, we don't have anybody who has kids. We don't care. I mean, those were their words. We don't, we don't want those brochures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was, you know, but five years down the road, you might. Like, these are the... Yeah. They don't understand why that's important. Yes. And why that, it would be a benefit. And also that there has been, really until like the last, I've, you know, I've been involved in early childhood education as a consumer and now as an advocate for a handful of years. But it wasn't until really the last couple of years I realized that there is a there is a lot out there connecting early childhood education with economic development. Yeah. That's not a made up thing. That is actually a real thing with real data and it can benefit communities so much. So that's where in a moment like that, Renee, I wish if I had been the one giving the brochure, I would have been able to say, well, maybe your employees don't have kids, but let me tell you about why this is an economic development opportunity and why this benefits your business, your community, the people you want to retain, people you want to hire eventually. I mean, it, it really does hit every level. So I think what's interesting in looking at just economic development, people don't realize 
that especially for rural communities right now, the biggest hurdle to growing and doing good economic development is workforce development and that we're not investing. And there's we can really blow that up into all sorts of things, including placemaking, community development, doing things that attract new people to our communities, but also investing in the people who are already here. And that means things more than just we will get education. It's not just early child education is a big part of it. And you know, to everyone listening, listen, uh, this is early child education is the first part of doing workforce development. It's our first investment into our future labor force. It's so critically important if we want people who are going to show up on time and pass drug tests like every employer says that we invest in educating them and taking care of them from you know zero to five. Because if we don't do that, those problems are going to continue to persist. But there are so many things in workforce development that is our issue. And I don't think we, you know, we talk so much about, you know, incentives or infrastructure or, you know, having a really great airport. But what we really need to do is focus on growing our people, doing the things that are going to make more people come here. And that, I think sometimes that's really tough in a rural community because we don't want new people. We don't want those people who think that way. But we need them to continue to grow because, listen, if you go from and this is going to be a harsh reality for some people who don't know this, and maybe everyone that's listening already knows this, but if you draw a line in our county, and we'll just say 400 north, right? If you take 400 north south, we're declining as a county from a population standpoint. We are losing people year over year, and that's a problem. We can't, we can't think we're going to grow. We can't think that Main Street's going to happen. We're not going to get new coffee shops or restaurants or whatever it is if we don't have more people. And part of this is not just educating people who are already here, but Young families will not come here if they don't think that there's a place where they can take their kids. And if they do come here, listen, they're not going to be here very long. They're going to go somewhere else because they're going to get sick of driving 45 minutes to an hour and a half every morning and afternoon to get their kids from point A to point B, then get to work and then do it all over again. That's an issue, and it's a problem we've got to solve if, we, if, if we're serious about growing and continuing to be uh, a community because our rural community is dying, and, and that's definitely a part of it. And one of one way, albeit in a small segment of how to how to grow your population or um, attract the kind of people who you want to share your life with in a community is to think about the people too who grow up here, go somewhere else, and then you know, as we all say, this is a great place to raise kids. It is in theory, but some of the logistical pieces of it are hard like having enough childcare to continue to do that job, that great job you got after you graduated from college and then moved back home because you want to live here in Jasper County. Yes, we want, we love living here and we want you to live here too. But if there aren't the basic services to keep you here, as you say, Stephen, or to keep you, the people who move back here and are envisioning this wonderful life for themselves and their families, it's going to be a really hard sell on keeping them here. And anecdotally, all the time, I run into people, let's say, 30 to 40 years older than me that say, boy, I'm really glad that this person, this young lawyer, this physician, this uh, farmer, whomever, moved, decided to settle in this area. And they love that people come back. But how do we make it, a, uh, you know, how do we accommodate the people who want to come back to yeah. and want to contribute to the community? Because that's the other thing is they say they like these people coming back because they also contribute in other ways. Not only do they have great jobs, but they also want to get involved in the community and they care about the place, right? Yeah. There's a whole episode on that, right? Is accommodating that change as people yeah. want to you know, come
come back and move, and that means the community is going to look a little different. Yeah, accommodate or support. Support, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Support is right. Yeah, I think support, support is right. Is the idea. Support and then I'm going to ask my magic question. It's my favorite question to ask in a second. But after saying, like, this is about creating the community we want to have here, there, there is, it's not something that just happens. You don't elect it to office. Like, those things just, that's not how it works. This is, this is creating that community. And then, you know, we're not asking, we're not asking to attract so many people that we become not this rural sparkling shiny place that is to live here and know your neighbors which i just i want to live with some really great people that's it really selfishly <laughs> and I, I will add to that i want to live with really great people who all have opportunities to pursue their dreams absolutely what they want absolutely absolutely so carly and renee you both you're, you're moms and wives and professionals and you literally grow things and take care of things and whatever and have personal interests. You're a whole people. This is a lot of work in case someone didn't tell you. So why, why, so I know we've kind of said it, but if you can just briefly say like, why, 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 why add this to the list? Why add this to the list of things? Like why does your, why does your family care? Uh, you know, and I touched on it a little bit earlier. I have flexibility in how I do my job, when I do my job, where I do my job. I can fit my kids in with that. They can go to work with me. But I felt like I was a better parent and a better employee by separating the two. I could focus and then give more devoted time to either one. And then I said, I want every kid to have the opportunity that my kids might have. I don't think any child should not have the opportunity to start learning and growing and playing and being involved. And I'm not, I'm not saying I do it perfect with my kids. <laughs> so there's, is there such a thing? Everyone can have those same opportunities it's not unattainable for some. I didn't know what a precious, precious resource, quality, reliable, nurturing, consistent childcare was until I met it face-to-face -face when my son started going through families of JCYC. And then that kind of sparked for me a whole new world to explore, I guess, in education. I've always been interested in education in the broad sense, uh, I've always, nerd alert, I've enjoyed school. Um, I, I taught college for a short time in my professional <laughs> life, so, you know, and did writing workshops for high school kids, so I've worked with, you know, young adults, but never had I really engaged with the very young, and I, and I think I just had my world expanded when not only I got to see it from a parent's perspective, but then also from know kind of taking an academic or like a just a curiosity you know an academic interest or curiosity in early education and just how if you can if you can let's use this working metaphor shall we if you can really nurture the seedling you can really nurture the smallest smallest most delicate being and make that and here's where the emotion comes in and give that seedling the best chance to thrive 
that to me is really useful work. And that's worth doing, even though we're doing, all of us at this table are, are trying to do all the things. You know? um, but that's why it's worth putting my family's time into that. And early childhood education is not my background. And it wasn't until my kids experienced in a licensed child care center. And, I mean, I learned from the classroom teachers that my kids had. I was amazed yeah, yeah. at watching the kids grow and develop. And then even in my time in the growing patch, getting it up and going, I've subbed in classrooms in there. And these kids are amazing. Amazing and bright in your day. I mean, I'd be dropping my kids off and <laughs> there'd be the one or two and they'd have to give me hugs every day when they saw me. And I mean, it just, it makes your day. And watching them, it sink in and them learn and develop and grow is, it's amazing what kids are capable of. The more I'm like, the more I listen and the more we talk about childcare, like this should be something that like every American cares about. Like everyone in Jasper County cares about. Our entire our entire society is built on this idea of like the pursuit of happiness, right? And Renee, you said it and it's when it clicked. Whether we understand it or not, whether we agree with it or not, there are so many kids right now who don't have a fair opportunity to have that pursuit of happiness that we kind of build this American culture on, right? That's what we pride ourselves on. For whatever it is, it could be, you know, whatever the issues are, decisions by their parents, that has nothing to do with them. That has nothing to do with anything they've ever done. And you could almost argue that caring about child care, investing in it, you know, being aware of it is, is like the most American thing you could do, right? Because you're making sure that all those people have that opportunity. They have that, that chance to pursue happiness in whatever form it is for them, and people aren't. And I think we have to start acknowledging that that's not happening to be able to overcome some of those issues. And I think that's, I never thought of it like that until this conversation, so I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I love that. And I, th I think that extends on to, you know, in a, in a community that understands how to grow things, mm -hmm. you know, if you, even, here's, here's the thing. If we can invest in the inputs into helping these small people grow, that's no guarantee that they're going to flourish for the rest of their lives and be amazing humans who do all these things in the world. But if we don't do that, we're hobbling them. Yes. Right, we're we're cutting off their opportunity to do things. So this is not a an excessive handout that you give to a small child and say, well, you know, you better make good on this. This is saying we're going to give you the necessary ingredients. This is the solid foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that connection with like, how does this relate to what we're trying to do as a country, or what, mm -hmm. or what we believe as a country? Yeah. Thank you, guys. I, I feel like this was a really good, I mean, we kind of went all over the place. We talked really broad for a while, and I think that's really good. Because I, I think we could hone in on some of the micro issues, but I think if people don't understand the macro that we're facing with this, we can't begin to understand how to fix it in our own community. So Thanks thank you. Thank of course. You. Thank you, ladies. For your work, your family's work. I know we're partnering with the foundation, too, um, making early childhood education one of our initiatives over the next 10 years to start growing, yes, we're gonna use that word a lot, yeah. growing great little humans in Jasper County, so thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation about Jasper County. For anything related to the podcast or information about today's conversation, 
You can email Bree and I at rootsandgraffiti at jaspercountyin.com, all spelled out. And there will also be links in the show notes below. Thanks, guys.